I'm here with Sobi So, a good friend of mine, a clever dude, a son of Africa and Syria, a solid man, an entrepreneur, a motivational speaker, just like an overall guide, you know, in life. He's just a, a very well-rounded person, and that's why I brought him on, and you're going to get to know that yourself. So much love to give. <laughs> Thank you, man. I, I appreciate the introduction. You know, I feel uh, humbled. Yeah. I'm glad to have you on, man. You just, you just got back from Senegal, right? Correct, yeah. Like two weeks ago. Yeah, about two weeks ago, yeah. Okay. Actually, exactly two weeks ago today. That's perfect. Oh, exactly. exactly. I think I met you. I met you the day you landed. Yes. I think I was I was your reintroduction to America and I'm like, you'll come on my podcast and you're like, Oh I'm back in DC. Some Correct. dude asked me to do a podcast. Exactly, yeah. Um so how how have you have you been readjusting? Anything that shocked you? Because you've been in Africa for a while, right? For a couple of years. Um not not too shocking. It's just that things have changed, obviously. Uh for example the scooters. Um when I left they weren't they weren't scooters like that. Or like lime the, scooters, like electric ones. Yeah, right? lift scooters, like the electric, um, you know, bikes and all the bikes. Actually, it had already started. But as far as the like society, obviously, the pandemic made a lot of you know changes. That's worldwide, though. Even even in Senegal, even in Africa. But um, yeah, man. I mean, everybody's wearing masks. And but you know what though? I was thinking about that the other day. So basically, I asked a um, a vendor about the law because I, 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 don't, I don't like wearing the mask sorry if I'm offending any, any anybody but it's <laughs> just an, it's just I, I I just have breathing difficulties already so and with the heat right or like in a heat yeah with the heat it's that. just annoying I, I, and you know I feel like it's annoying to everybody but uh, anyways I just wear it when I have to basically and I asked the guy and he told me basically if you're vaccinated you don't have to wear it right but they don't have the right to ask you whether you're vaccinated or not. So that's like a weird gray area. Like, yeah, it's a loophole. It's a loophole. So you could also lie about being vaccinated. I know a lot of people who have suggested that they would lie because they don't want to get vaccinated. Are you vaccinated? I know I can't ask you, but... You can't ask me. <laughs> so you can't even answer. Don't so even I'm, I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. You know? Are you I a, might be. You might be, you might not be. I might be, yeah. Okay. I'm going to assume you are. Yeah. You are not. Let's let's assume. Well, you just traveled. They wouldn't allow you to travel. I'm putting. I'm piecing no, actually, clues together. Actually, you're you're allowed to, depending on the country you're you're flying to. So, um, actually, I just think you have to take the test for most countries. I don't think there's a country that forces you at this at this moment to take the vaccine. Oh, okay. I don't believe so. You just have to be a, have a negative. Yeah, you have to test negative. And there's two different tests. I know there's one that's like not reliable, and there's one that they sometimes specify that you take well they make like if you want to travel mm -hmm. internationally they make you go to like the official lab you know of the city the special corona you lab yeah exactly and and i had to go there and basically um test myself like three i think you have 72 hours before your trip yeah, um, yeah you're yeah. right because I, I was at the airport traveling domestically but 
I think someone in front of me in the ticket line was traveling internationally mm -hmm. and he was fighting with a ticket counter woman because she was like, oh, your test was supposed to be 72 hours. And he took his like, I think it was like 90 hours before. Yeah. And we, they wouldn't let him go to Amsterdam or something. They're like not going to let him go. So he's going to have to rebook. Reschedule. And yeah. the, the airlines are pretty flexible with that, obviously, with the pandemic. They have to be. They have to be. So, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's annoying, man. It's just a, it's just different. You, and I think that this is just the beginning because we're going to, we're probably going to have more procedures down the line. I you think, think there's going to be like a second wave, third wave, like a str another strand? We're talking about this other strand that's going to, that might, that might set things back. I you know, know. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we have another, it, it already started, right? In some countries, I think yeah, in France. India. Yeah, India. And um, so I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, is it really going to end now? I think we're, we're just going to have other pandemics. It's going to be different viruses. And I, I honestly think that um, it's just we're just going to have to get used to these new rules. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't mind. Like, I think for some workers, I, I kind of like how food workers or service workers are using masks now. Because now that I think about it, like if you go to Chipotle or like Subway and like when they're making your food, you're, they're a sneeze away from you getting the flu for two weeks. Yeah. Well, this is all about perspective, right? Because me coming from Senegal, in Senegal, you don't have... I'm not... Okay, how can I say this and, and be respectful? Yeah, there's um, not the same... I know the same... It's the same thing in Sudan, right? There's yeah. not the same health procedures. Exactly, or, not at all. Especially yeah. for me, if, you're, if, you're, if you buy a sandwich in the streets, for example, forget the whole hygiene aspect. Like you... No you gloves. Have, no, nothing. Yeah. Like the guy is basically handing you your change... And then he's on to the next sandwich and he's touching the meat and, yeah. you know, and, and putting the mayo in the, in the sandwich. And I actually believe that this is one of the main reasons why, why um, a lot of underdeveloped countries, I'm not going to say all, because some, some of them got hit pretty bad. But in Senegal, for example, if you, if you listen to the media, it was kind of bad, but I don't think it was that bad. I don't think it was as bad as it was in, in France, for example, or in Italy or in Spain. And I think that it has a lot. To, I'm not a scientist. Again, I you know you got Dr. Heisenberg on your shirt. You know, though, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I I honestly believe that um, our immune system is used to much you know uh, harder conditions. It's just obvious. And I and then the funny thing, what one of the, one of the things that that's frustrating to me is that we're not talking about that. So before the pandemic hit, it was like huge warnings from the international organizations like the um, how do you call it? OMS World, um, World Health Organization WHO yeah yeah I said it in French actually I think but anyways and they were warning us like you you know it's gonna be bad because obviously we don't have the infrastructure we don't have the healthcare system to 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 deal with this kind of I mean nobody did right even the US and yeah know. it was a huge shock yeah so the fact that the result didn't look like what we predicted right like why aren't we talking about that so like our why everyone has a really weak immune system well not that why did africa well, why did some some of the poorest countries like economically right, yeah did better than some of the most powerful countries like, so my theory on that so there's two theories right there's the idea that africans have more exposure to germs and stuff like that yeah. in everyday life so then they were able to have better immunity but there's also perspective that it just people weren't getting tested as much right because the testing facilities weren't as strong we're here in the u.s everybody True. was getting tested but also if you look at deaths um you can't hide deaths because deaths are like you know 
those are recorded yeah, and everything course, like that. Yeah. You might have COVID and not, and you might know, but like if you die, you die. So if you look at deaths, even the U.S. was like one of the leading. And I think you're right. Probably has to do with exposure, maybe vitamin D. Yeah, because the sun, the, the 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 weather, the weather is definitely a factor in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know you're staying indoors during winter time, right? So you have more contact during summertime. It's almost always summer in in, in West That's Africa. That's true. Yeah. So you're you're outdoors. Because we don't even, the whole distance thing, man, we never respected that. Yeah. You get into a, a public transportation, like a bus, man, people are like literally, you know, right next to each other. People in Sudan were going to funerals for people who died of COVID and like hugging and shaking hands, yeah. which is ironic. People were saying don't host funerals, but then people were hosting funerals. So it was like a little weird, but I think it's just the culture. And the thing is, if you look at what really is... Uh, like when we talk about diseases, we have other diseases and other medical conditions that are much, that have much, that have worse results. You know what I mean? As far as the amount of death, yeah. deaths and, and things like that. So if you look at um, cancer, diabetes, we, we are, we have much more victims of those diseases than, than, uh, than COVID. So people couldn't, I think people didn't really take it seriously because of the numbers, yeah. in my opinion. So they they didn't really relate to it because they didn't see people dying from it necessarily around them. So they were like, "Well, this is not this is foreign to me. It's not for me." Yeah. And then that's again that's my opinion. Uh, no, that's it's valid. It's valid. It's definitely yeah. a, you know, at the end of the day, I think we're not, we're not going to know exactly what it is because the, the virus is so different and it affects even the vaccine affects people different. Yeah. And the vaccine is like a little bit of the virus, right? Of course. So, I mean, you drink alcohol, the effects are different different people you smoke weed you smoke cigarettes same thing with with any anything that we uh you know we we um we deal with so yeah so speaking of africa and immunity you lived you were born in senegal right yes so born raised in uh, dhaka dhaka yeah awesome and um you came to the u.s at like 11 years old or so it's it's pretty interesting because i came twice so i first came in 97 so i was 10 okay and I lived in the same area, so in the D.C. area, yeah. in Virginia specifically, for two years. So we lived there from 97 to 99, and then we flew back yeah. to Senegal. So I finished high school and in 2006, and we, we lived uh, from 06 to, to 2018. And then, I started, chunk, yeah. and then I started like going back and, and forth and I went to Senegal, I came back and then so... And what do you do in Senegal as an entrepreneur? Do you, you, you were telling me you do... Uh, there's some uh, farming ventures. Some Correct. Yeah. So yeah, as cropping. far as what's uh, what's like my main activity. Yeah. Like my income basically is a, a service for pets. All right. So for dogs specifically. So we do boarding. Um, we do dog walking. I have a small team. Uh, dog walking and we do obedience training as well. Okay. So you train dogs as well. Yes. Okay. That's really cool. And you work mainly with which communities in Senegal require this because when you think of when I think of Africa when I think of Sudan at least and I can't speak of all of Africa um when I think of Sudan I feel like if someone told me there was a pet sitting business or like mm-hmm. I would be like where who who is who is demanding such a thing like for it, sure you yeah. know you wouldn't think it exists but what was your experience with setting that up in Senegal and are you the first person to do that no I'm not the first person it's funny I had the same opinion about that so I was like this is I'm not going to, because I was doing it here, right? So I was working with, with Mo, with Capital Pet Sitters. So it started in D.C. So I was familiar with that industry. Yeah. And um, so I would go to these, uh, there, there's an um, organization 
in in Maryland called uh, your dog's friend, and basically they they want to decrease the amount of um, of dogs that that are adopted and returned because of bad you know, behavior, bad behavior, like that, yeah. or whatever it is, anxiety, or they bit the kid or whatever. So I started there, and that's where I got introduced to the whole training aspect, right? So, but when I was going to Senegal, I never thought that this would actually work there because like you said like who's gonna need this service there? yeah like i've seen how dogs are treated in sudan yeah, at least like exactly you know right. there's no obedience there there's not yeah. <laughs> dogs that kind of do their own thing so you have people that like dogs but it's just a small percentage in your mind yeah but that small percentage could be could be interesting when you open a business because you're actually one of the only ones yeah and when i went there i went there on vacation in in 2016 a friend of mine introduced me to his friend who was already in the field and yeah, that's basically the guy who who kind of mentored me and guided me and showed me how it how it worked in in Dakar, because you know how they say think global, act local. Yeah. Obviously, the you know the our community is different, like as far as how you provide the service and so yeah. So I started alone. I started alone, and I started with a couple of clients and. Once my my clientele started to increase, I I thought that I needed help, so I hired the first guy, and then I hired the second guy, and, and yeah, so that's how it went. And you got a little uh, team together. Yeah, as far as the on. as far as the um, the clientele, we have a lot of Senegalese. Most of the time, it's wealthy people, like yeah. wealthier people. That you know, I would say it starts with the middle class up. Obviously, actually, the higher end of the middle class. So you're working with like the Senegalese Illuminati. <laughs> this is what no, I'm, I'm hearing, gonna, man. I'm not gonna say that, yeah. but yeah, it's just um, it's just basically the it's just basically a lot of expats, a lot of expats, and people who can afford it because you have to be able to afford that kind of service. Is obviously uh, how much do you charge? So it depends. I have people who 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 I charge. It's like on a subscription basis, like Netflix. Exactly, kind of thing. literally yeah. like Netflix. Yeah. I, I charge more than Netflix, though. Yeah, I, I, I hope have, so. I have man. much less uh, subscribers, obviously. Yeah, so it's all relative. <laughs> so it, I I charge, it, I could charge like about sixty bucks all the way to two hundred and fifty bucks, depending on how many dogs you have, okay. depending on what you need, and depending on how many times we come to your home. So for the if you wanted me to walk your dog every day of the week obviously it's going to be more expensive mm -hmm. if you want me to take care of two dogs and do obedience training you know for the next three months obviously if you have one dog and and then you know we people bargain over there that's part of the culture yeah even the expats they kind of learn that actually you'll be surprised but yes they bargain they, harder they, they bar not harder they don't bargain harder because they respect service a little bit more yeah because they're used to it in their in their countries like if you're in the u.s you know if the, if you get good service, then you need to pay for it. Yeah, right? there's like a tipping culture here exactly. as well. Yeah, but um, yeah, it really depends on the service that you need. So what's the most thought, um, sought out service? Is it like the obedience training? Is it the pet sitting? Is it the walking? I would think it'd be the training, but you tell the me. The training. Oh, so yeah. The training. I'll, I'll confirm that. Because that's what people, you know, they call you. They're like, my dog is acting crazy or my dog is, you know, lunging on other dogs. He's jumping on my kid for safety purposes right you have, yeah. a, you have a big uh, mastiff you want to control the dog before a mastiff so these are like purebred dogs yeah aren't just most like, of the time yeah you have you, you have ever get mastiff. like a street dog that's like they're... oh yeah a lot but a lot of expats adopt street dogs okay and the street dogs are they have a they have a they have like a wild side 
They're harder to train. They, yeah, somewhat. Because genetically, obviously, they've been in the streets for a long time. So yeah, they they're to, out here thugging, man. Exactly, exactly. They're, they're trainable, but you just have to work a little bit differently. And you would them. charge them more for the street dog? Cause not necessarily. More hours, not think. necessarily. Honestly, it's really, the, the, the price is really a, like a little bit, it's like the vibe. You know, it's like I don't, you know, if you're a cool guy, man, and you, you, you know, you tell me, oh, look, I'm, I'm a student. Yeah, you'll yeah, work I'll, with me. I'll, yeah. yeah, I'll work with anybody. You yeah, know, I'll work with anybody. So I'm not like too strict on. Oh, I'm gonna charge you this. I don't believe in that personally. Yeah, that's that that's super cool. And also, do you ever feel like you get a dog? It's like because there's a there's a saying like um you can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? Mm-hmm. I don't agree with that. Have, what's have you ever taught like an old dog new tricks? And yes, old, okay, I have. Yeah, I have. Um, remember the, the first conversation we had about programming, right? Yeah. And we, so the dogs, they, I, I believe that it's just a program that they have in their mind. And when you, when you train them, you change the program, right? Yeah. But with repetition and with, with uh, just new rules. You teach them new rules. So it might be shocking to them. And I don't hit dogs. I don't, you know, obviously I don't use, I correct the dog. How do you correct bad behavior? So it, depend on, it depends on what behavior we're talking about. But if we're talking, for example about the dog uh pulling on the leash yeah like that's because he has no rules like he, he feels like he could do whatever so he's going towards the, the other dog and he's he's pulling because he wants to go after a scroll or the, you know whatever and there's a way to correct him with the leash you have collars like training collars that mm-hmm. you put him on it's like basically you there's a way to pull the um, the leash like very quickly and it kind of shocks him like he turns around like what the hell just happened you know? so is it like an electric shock or no a... you don't have to you have electric i don't use that one yeah it's you with your hand the way you pull it so you just kind of jerk it exactly i see so exactly like very quickly it's a quick pull it's like a pop it's, it's like a quick oh. pop so it's uncomfortable but it's it's not harmful no it's not harmful yeah you know some people will say it is and so you have this community of um positive dog trainers so they they use the positive methods they use like crystals and stuff no they they basically (laughs) don't the way i see it is they don't correct the dog it's all about like influencing the dog to to get the 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 good behavior with rewards right and i don't agree with that because like what doesn't have like what system in our life doesn't have negative consequences like you always like if i park right now in a handicap you know they're gonna give me a fine and that's the incentive to not do it exactly like yeah. that's one of them the punishment is yeah. the incentive to not park there not a hundred percent that's a factor yeah, right definitely. that you think about that why did i take like 10 minutes to park because i didn't want to get a ticket and then if i do something good in society i get rewarded right but i can't just fix the issue of behavior just by rewarding in my opinion i have to correct you so you know which limit not to cross because i correct you yeah and then i'll reward you if you have the good behavior so then you can stay within that window and then we can work together but if i never correct you then you don't know that your limit like you don't know when you disrespected me or when you did too much so yeah so that's my my whole thing with dogs i do correct you um i do it in a very humane way and i mean you go online and check it out it's like you have a hundred thousand different trainers and they each have their own methods and yeah, but it's a pretty cool job. I, it's, I, I like it, it definitely dips into psychology, and you mentioned programming and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. So has dealing with dogs helped you in your... your I know you're very um, 
fascinated and you're very involved in like human psychology, the idea of programming, the idea of learned behavior, unlearning, deprogramming from old behavior. Yes. Setting new kind of neurological pathways in your brain to have like a more optimistic outlook on life. Yeah, just a better life. A better just life. Just a better life, period. Sunshine. I think so I'm a student of the human mind. I just the thing that I think fascinates me the most is your mind because it's the it's the most sophisticated and the most powerful piece of technology we'll ever have access to. It's funny how you buy a Tesla to a human or an iPhone and they get super excited, but they don't realize that they have a much more powerful machine. Yeah, like, the machine that made the Tesla. Exactly. It's your brain. Exactly. But they, you know, because of programming, again, they think that no, only Elon Musk can create this or only Steve Jobs can create this, you know, or only, you know, whatever, because they don't think that they can. So they think that their brain is limited and that you have other people who have brains that are unlimited or that are, you know, capable of doing things that they're not. And I, I don't agree with that. I think that people don't study um study their 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 minds the way the way they should and i think that it, the, the world would be a different place if we taught those things to kids for example early on so you wouldn't have to go and deprogram the program would just be there already exactly so most people f so you know the saying think outside the box so what the, what is what does that mean when you when you hear people say oh think outside the box well the box is the established psychological understanding <coughs> right it's like the it's the programming, the program, the software, exactly. the app that's in your mind. Exactly. But it's funny that that's even a term because is outside the box really outside the box or is it just another program? Well, it's definitely outside the box. It's outside of that application that yeah. you have, right? But how many different boxes do you have? It's unlimited. But what's the box that's going to get you out of the box box? Out of the... It's really going to open up. So what's going to change your program? What's going to change your program? Okay. So... You, again, I'm not a scientist, but this is just based on the research that I personally did myself. I've been really looking into these things in the past two years, three years, actually, mm -hmm. since my last trip in the U.S. That's when I started. When you came back? When I came back from Senegal. And then you took that information to Senegal? I was, no, I was on a mini. Saying. So when I went, when I first went to Senegal, I went through a, through a kind of like a mini depression, I would say. Yeah. That's because it's different, obviously, because you have to readapt as an adult. Because I, when I left, I was I was a kid. Um, you're now this American kid, yeah. and you're learning Africa all over again. Yeah, right? and I have a wife, and I have kids, so I have responsibilities. And So when I came back to the U.S., I had time alone by myself, and it just gave me the opportunity to reflect on on, on different things. And um, and I was able to, to, to learn a lot about about the human mind. Because what's depression really? What's anxiety? What's when you when you see somebody commit suicide, right? What's the the source of that feeling in your? Opinion? Well, it's all projecting in the mind. It's nothing external, really, right? Like exactly. It's interesting exactly. that your brain chemistry can convince you to kill yourself. Yeah, it's insane. But but the bait the the, the the root of that is 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 your thoughts. Yeah, if they're good thoughts, they're bad thoughts. Obviously, most of the time, they're bad thoughts when you when you commit suicide. Right? So what would you define as like a bad thought and a good thought? Because I know within this community of positive reinforcement, the spiritual community and, and, and the psychological community, right? Yeah. 
So there's different opinions on, okay, what constitutes a bad thought? What constitutes a good thought? Because it's kind of subjective, right? Okay. So different psychologists will say different things. So in my opinion, Mm -hmm. my humble opinion, so we're supposed to have all kinds of, of, of thoughts, right? You're not going to feel happy all the time. We're not in paradise. It's not la la land. So you're going to have different emotions. So the, the, the key thing is so it's thoughts and then it's emotion, right? Because your thought gives you an emotion most of the time. You think about this, it makes you feel sad, it makes you feel happy, it makes you feel... And so obviously you want the majority of the thoughts to be on the positive side, which means make you feel like happier, yeah, like fulfilled, content, satisfied, right? You don't want to feel sad too, 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 too many times, right? You don't want to feel... You don't want to make yourself sad. Exactly. And, and your question is very interesting because I'm going to... So I'm not changing the subject, but I'm just going to... No, no, change it if you have to. No, right? it's not That's even, what we do on the podcast. So it's the same subject because really it's not even about the... So it is about the thoughts. It is about the, the feeling, but it's about the frequency. I that's see. the word that I think that's most important. So you want to be on the, on the right frequency, on the higher frequency, right? Yeah. Um, I was actually talking about this to my brother yesterday. When you go in, in very tough neighborhoods... In the U.S., yeah, right. Some Southeast. parts of Southeast DC, yeah. automatically you feel the vibe changes, like right away. Like even if you don't see anybody, even if you only see cars, you just enter, like I don't know, Minnesota Ave or you're right or Benning Road. Like the vibe just changes. There's something. There's this. That's in my opinion. That's the frequency that's changing. So it's the collective consciousness of exactly, that area. Of that area. If you got into a room where everybody meditated. Right, all the time, it would, you would feel different. You would you feel their their energy. You go to Bethesda in one of the richest neighborhoods, and it's not about rich or poor, really. It's about high frequency because you have people who commit suicide in rich, very rich neighborhoods. Right? That's true. Yeah, that. so it's not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you, you you understand what I'm saying? It's it's about so it's about the frequency. So I, I think that that's what we should focus on. Like, which frequency do you want to be on? Yeah, the higher one or the lower one. Is there a way to physically measure these frequencies? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there's a way to measure it, but I can tell you that if I have a conversation with somebody, and it's not to say that I'm, you know, I'm on the high, I'm working on it. I'm trying to stay on a good frequency all the time. Every day, it's a challenge. Every yeah. single day, you wake up and you, it's a fight, right? So it's not like you, you got it. Like you're. Do you ever good. get to a point where you're like, I'm, that's it. I'm like fully freak. My frequency is frequently positive. I, I, well, I just have moments where I feel much better and moments where I feel, you know, a little more anxious or more stressed out. Or, But I feel like the interesting thing is that, again, the reason why I believe that we should teach this, to, that we should have these conversations with kids. I have, I have the conversation with, with my kids, with my, with my, with my older daughter, because oh, okay. I want her to... I want her to be familiar with 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 her emotions, with her you know her her mind, and early on, yeah, touch, it's, yeah, emotional intelligence, yeah, emotional, emotional intelligence, because that's 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 the thing. See, so uh, what's uh, being street smart? That's being able to read people's energy. I feel isn't it emotional intelligence? It's emotional intelligence. It's, yeah. it's emotional intelligence. I think it's more important than being book smart, even though being book smart is very important. But if I had to choose one, yeah, I would choose because. Dude, in life, you have more chances of being in the streets than in front of a book. 
Yeah, unless you're right? like an academic or even if you're an academic, you're gonna have to get some Starbucks or yeah. go pick up your son or or even in your career, you're gonna have to you know maneuver. Yeah. In most of these promotions and stuff, happen through relationships. They don't really happen through qualifications. Is what I what I've learned. Oh, for sure. You know, it's for we sure. know you, we trust you. We're gonna yeah. put you in this position. Because you had the emotional intelligence to be friendly or be respectful or be a kind individual in certain situations, you were able to. So it's all really, you're never going to use the quadratic formula um, in instances or like, you know, the periodic table. It's mostly that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I just feel like too many people are in the same box. Like too many, like, you know, the term like sheep. And yeah, the, the frustrating thing is that we can change that, because only a very small amount of people on Earth are benefiting from that factor. From the structure, of the sheep, the, yeah. yeah, the sheep, the sheep structure, yeah, from the system that's already in place. Yeah. So most people, you, I, I, I've been thinking about this for years. You wake up in the morning, you know, you, you, you have breakfast. You don't even feel like eating, but you have to have food because you're going to go to work, right? It's the most important meal of the day. Yeah, that's what they say. That's what that's they the say. box. Yeah. That's the box. Exactly. <laughs> but you wake up, you go to work, but you, it's like millions of people doing the same exact thing every day. Why? Like, can we just go to work at different hours at least? Like, why is there traffic from? Yeah, seven can we work from, from home? Exactly. So now it's changing, right? I think it's COVID changing. shook things up. Exactly. So it's changing. So it's going to be interesting to see how the world. You know what 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 society becomes, especially in the developed countries, like the, because I think that this is just the beginning of a of a renaissance. I've noticed that if you go to cafes in D.C., you're going to notice that they're having a lot of trouble getting people to work because when COVID happened, when the stimuluses were given out, the PPP loans, people are now in a position where they feel like I can get money other ways. Also, Robinhood, the stock, the yes. Robinhood is now like we've never been in a time where there's been more independent um, traders or just like the mm. regu regular people who are now putting their money and investing it. So it's created the shift in the American psyche of instead of ex exchanging hours for money, people want to, you know, take control of their lives. So this is actually really good. My theory is that people are going to become more self-aware. They're going to use their time better. So I think it's a positive change. And also the government might have to come in and pay people higher salaries well to get people to work more i think that like you said i think it's a good thing i think that we're gonna have good outcomes after the smoke clears because the smoke is still here in yeah, my yeah. opinion definitely is. as far as uh well you already we could already observe things like um universal income yeah right so now it's a thing we were just talking about it. Well, that's what the stimulus kind of was, right? It was a taste of that. It's, it was exactly. It was a taste of that. But because if you really think about it, if you don't do that, what's the alternative? Mass poverty. Mass poverty. And then what? And then war. Exactly. People you know, will start like stealing stuff. And stealing yeah. and like it's going to go bad. Like civil unrest and peop the people in Bethesda and the rich people. What's the point of being, you know, didn't Confucius say being rich in a, in a poor country is a shame, is, 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 is uh, nothing to be proud of, I think. I'm paraphrasing. Well, that's interesting because if you go to most uh, underdeveloped countries, that's what you will see, right? If you go to Senegal, you see the difference between the rich and the poor. It's just, I mean, it's... it's well, you work, you work on both sides, kind of, right? Like, you see 
you i feel like you with your job you're able to kind of like you're in this world and you can also see this world for sure for sure i I, um yeah yeah i mean even your families you have family members who are you know richer than others and you see the difference i'm talking about this guy can't even afford breakfast or if he, he has to choose the meal like for the day. One meal a day is at lunch, dinner, breakfast, exactly. what's it going to be? I'm talking about millions of people. that It's common. These, right? And then on the other side, you have the guy who has the, the Bentley and the private jet. Yeah. And this is, this is real. Like this is actually going on. So as far as uh, the rich guy in Bethesda, I can relate to that because that's what, that's what people go through. Mm-hmm. Is it a good thing? No, obviously it's not because the, the money is not distributed but to me again it's not about distributing necessarily distributing the money it's about sharing the right program because mm. you can give you can give a million dollars to to a broke guy when i say broke when i say a poor guy i'm talking about poor in his mind not financially because to me being rich or poor is not about what you have in your account it's it's your state of mind state of mind either okay. you're you, you think in a poor way or you think in an in a, an abundant way, and again, I'm not judging any of those people because it's not their fault. You received a program from your parents, and your parents received a program from their parents. It's very difficult to change the program because most of the time you're not even conscious that you're you're in that matrix. Wow, that's why you rarely see a Jay Z, right? Somebody who comes comes out of Marcy. Uh, Marcy Project is that what yeah, it's Marcy, called? Yeah, in Queens, right? Yeah, in Queens, Queens or no Brooklyn? Brooklyn, isn't it from yeah. Brooklyn? Yeah, Brooklyn, and it's like what one percent of people that that get out of those neighborhoods and become billionaires. Why? Because you have to change the program. You have to be first conscious that you have the the wrong program because <laughs> you want to be. I don't think anybody wants to live in a poor neighborhood for life. I don't think anybody wants their kids to go to the worst public schools in the in the country. I don't think anybody don't think wants they, to have food stamps and the worst cheese and the worst steak. But you know what's interesting is that you think that you don't, <coughs> but sometimes these things become so familiar that the toxicity becomes so familiar that you don't want them on some level. Yeah, hey, logically, yeah, I don't want that. I want to be. I want to be wealthy. I want to sustain myself. I want to be independent. But then on some level, you find people getting attached to these things, to their neighborhoods, to the a dangerous lifestyle because it's all they know. The program has become home. Yeah. to them but isn't that in the way isn't that ignorance it definitely is ignorance because you ignore the fact that you're able to be in a better state to to live to have better conditions if you knew if you could change the situation in a minute you would but yeah. you probably think that it's so hard and there's so many hard. obstacles it's i gotta destiny. go to college i gotta exactly. go to this because you have all these limits in your mind right you think yeah. that Oh, no, you need the degree. You need this. You've made the, all these. Have you read The Four Agreements by... I have. I, have, yeah. I, I didn't read it. So I'm not you listen to it? I listened, I to, listened it. to it too. I didn't yeah. read it either. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. That's the cool thing. So most of the information that I that I, um, that I I get is from audio, audio books. So you're an audible learner. You yes. learn by listening. Yeah. The same and way. I read sometimes, you know, I'll read like an interesting article or a book. Because The Four Agreements is a very small book. So you could read that book easily. Yeah, in a but, day or less. Yeah. Yeah. But you'll read it in like two hours. So if I'm walking three dogs, I can listen. I can finish the book. Yeah. You know, like three hours. You know what I mean? So I use my time. Yeah. No wise way. Industrious with your time. You're, you're, yeah. Yeah. Because it's the most, it's the most important currency. It's the most valuable currency on earth. I, I, time is not money. I think no. it's more valuable. Time is much more than money. Yeah. Go ask a, a billionaire who's dying. 
Yeah. If time is money, he'll tell you. You know, go ask a billionaire who who has who who can't see his daughter or who can't see his his wife because she left him. Ooh. <laughs> What's most valuable? Yeah. It's all subjective at that point. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's very interesting. But um in the four agreements, uh he was just saying that you make these agreements with yourself and they become self limiting. Yes. For example, um actually had a comic on a stand-up comedian on uh last week his name is hamza and he was on this podcast and he was talking about an agreement he had he said when i when i'd wear a black shirt i would do very well when i would do stand-up i would kill it mm-hmm. people would laugh my jokes would be really good and he had this agreement for a while so then every time he went to the comedy clubs he would wear a black shirt and he would do well but then one day he broke that agreement because he wore a yellow shirt and he didn't think, oh, am I going to do well? But he did very well in the yellow shirt. Mm-hmm. So then he wore the yellow shirt, he did well. So in my mind, I'm like, well, you just broke that agreement and you grew. Yeah. So now you don't have this limiting idea that if I don't do, and it could be anything. This is just an analogy or an example. Yeah. It could be anything in your life. If, you know, um, even it, it could be like, if I don't go to college, I'm not going to make any money, which is completely false. If anything, it's the opposite from what we see um, in a way. I mean, yeah, it's ironic. Some of the richest, wealthiest people on earth. Uh, and when I say wealthy, again, I'm not specifically just talking about that financial money. Yeah. When I say wealth, to me, wealth is somebody who's able to, first of all, have a very positive impact in the world with his money. Because if you have wealth and you're Pablo Escobar, it's not. I mean, <laughs> we can argue about that actually, because he was a very good. guy. He was a charitable yeah, guy. He was a charitable guy. But um, anyways. You know what I mean, right? It's yeah. it, you have to do good with your money because obviously you don't need a billion dollars. So what do you do with a billion dollars, right? Do you you could buy a football team, but then what do you do with the profit? Do yeah. you have you, you can you can create a school, or you could share information that's beneficial for humanity, or you can save puppies or kids or whatever you do. But but um I w- yeah, I was I was just saying that I think that it's it's it all comes down to the impact. You know what I mean? Yeah. The impact that, that you have, basically. That's, is it, is wealth it, is measured in the impact. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. I can definitely see that because money is so arbitrary. Money is only valued as what we value it as. Yeah. Right? And you look at cryptocurrency, which is the biggest exposing factor of money, how money literally could be worth nothing tomorrow and everything the next day and, you know, a thousand tomorrow. And it just fluctuates based on public opinion. So money is actually fake, too. Money is a part of this simulation. Um, for sure. Physical sure. money, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, look mm-hmm. at credit cards. And so in, in this society, in, in America, you, you use money like it's air. Because you, you basically buy things just by swiping your card. It's not even your money. It's your the money's not card. physically even, no. it doesn't exist. <laughs> no, so you have much less of that in Africa, for example. Yeah. In Senegal, specifically. Because uh, Af- that was just ignorant because Africa is huge. And you of have course. Different, you know, but I think most of Africa is still on a cash-based system. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's it's all relative. It's all relative. Again, if we want to talk about the the book, the Four Agreements. Yeah, it it talks about programming because one of the one of the agreement is uh, be impeccable with your word. What do you understand by by that agree like by that agreement? Well, that agreement to me means don't. It also it means being honest in all ways, but also most importantly, being honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Not even. Not degrading yourself, you know, mm-hmm. not, um, be, you know, he talks about it like is like casting a spell or something like that, where it's what you say holds meaning. For example, I have a friend who degrades himself a lot. He hates compliments. Whenever we compliment him, he's like, he doesn't believe it. 
and he likes to bring himself down in the weirdest ways. Like he'll find something super amazing about himself to just no, just tear himself down. Stay away from that. I'm just kidding. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I've talked to him about this and he's, he's aware of it as well, which is, which is, which is good. But, um, it's, it's interesting that, you know, you'll start to believe the things you say, even if you're joking. For sure. You say, I always miss the bus. Probably miss it. Yeah. Most of the time. I always catch the bus. You probably catch it. Yeah. I really believe that you, you attract, you know, what you, what you, like what you, what you think about, what you say, and then what you say is what you think about, and what you think about is what you say. It goes on a spiral. And, um, yeah, you have to, you have to think about what you, like, you know, you know that saying, if you don't have anything good to say. Say nothing. Well, that should be the case with yourself. Yeah. As well. Not just with people. If you don't have, if you know that what you're going to say about yourself is not good, then just shut up. Like, why would you say it? It's going to bring a negative feeling, right? You already have, you already know the feeling. Do you want to experience it? If you want to experience it, then go ahead. We're so, we're so comfortable insulting ourselves, but we'll never insult other people to their face, but we'll call ourselves the worst things. I find myself calling myself an idiot all the time. Like, like some subconsciously or unconsciously, I'll just be, oh, let's say I'll forget something, forget my wallet at home. Like, oh man, I'm such an idiot. Why'd I do that? Mm-hmm. And it's not even conscious. But then I think, whoa, why did I, that's normal. Everybody forgets things. Mm-hmm. Why am I so hard on myself? It's not the end of the world. If you forget your wallet or if you forget your phone or if you yeah. make a mistake, but then you go back and you see the programming. And you're like, oh, so whose voice was calling me an idiot in my head? That wasn't my voice. Was that my mom's voice? Was that my dad's voice? Exactly. Who, you know, and you, you, and you keep dissecting it. You're like, why am I? It's because somebody called me an idiot. And now I feel like I'm an idiot because someone gave me that programming. And then the programming of being an idiot. So it's always in the unconscious moments that you realize what the, what the programming is. You know, when you're not thinking, when you're making, when you're like, oh, you stub your toe. I'm such, oh man, I'm such a this. Whoa, the programming just revealed itself right there. Wow. You're such an idiot. Who well, said that? Look at that. What you're saying is very interesting because, so I follow this guy, this scientist on YouTube. His, his name is Bruce Lipton. You should look him up. He's I'll very, check him inter- out. very, very uh, interesting guy. And he talks a lot about that. He talks about programming, right? Most of the things I learn actually is from that guy, from that scientist. So thank you, Bruce Lipton. Shout if out ever, to Bruce Lipton. If you ever listen to this. <laughs> so basically he explains that from zero to seven, that's where you get the initial program. Right from your parents, you have these thousands of rules like don't touch, don't touch fire, don't this, don't open this door, don't do this, don't do that, don't you know say bad words. And it's a program, right? Yeah. It's all these rules that you get from zero to seven. What if you only hear your dad say you're stupid, like you'll never amount to anything? You know, what's the difference between that kid and the kid who hears his dad say, you know, you can be an engineer or you can be a pilot or you can be a doctor. You can be anything you want. Here, I'll show you online. This is the degree you need. Like, imagine, imagine the difference. It's a totally different program that the kid is getting. After seven, like, the human mind starts to settle a little bit. It becomes less of a sponge and more of a victim to its environment. Because then you, you go to school. Right at seven, you're already in school. You're in first grade, yeah. I believe. So you have to follow the rules now. Now you get in the matrix, right? And you come the back indoctrination. Home. Exactly, right? And... But there's a huge, that's why there's a, that's why I, I try, I do my best not to judge people because it's really not their fault. You know, you call this guy a racist because, you know, he has, he represents this flag. He has a Confederate flag or he, he didn't, he wasn't born like that. He was, he was influenced. Like his parents 
told him that you know he shouldn't respect black people or that black people are are dumb or that Chinese people are this or that. He wasn't born a racist. He was born a human being, right? Oh, the rich. Funniest phrase that I hear. Oh, the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, that's. I mean, because the poor received the the programming of their parents. The programming of poverty. Exactly. And the rich, like for example, I heard I hear people say Donald Trump is dumb, like, and but he's rich. Why? Because he got the programming. It has nothing to do with being dumb or smart. He just got a program. Do you think Donald Trump is the king of positive affirmations? Yes. Yeah. I agree. actually, that's I agree. actually one of the things that I like about him. I'm not a fan of Donald Trump as a president or as a as an entrepreneur. Some some sides I like, some sides I dislike. I don't like his. I don't necessarily like what comes out of his mouth. His sometimes. politics are, are a little frustrating, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's very divisive and, yeah, and you know and, very and, problematic. And, yeah. But he does. You're right with the positive reinforcement. Yeah. It's he, interesting. He, he said he would be president. He did it. He did it. And, and was, even during even during the term, you, the way he speaks, like we're gonna build the wall. We're gonna. He, he speaks it into existence. Yeah. He spoke his presidency into existence nobody thought that he would he would be, become a president but he became a president that should be a good example to anybody who wants to become anything they want like yeah. you could even if the whole world says you can't you can't it doesn't matter how what your politics are what you do it's there's something to that because i was when it happened i was just like whoa what everybody was so surprised yeah. but he just was so strong in his conviction and believed it and and, and then again we don't, we're not trump fans we're just psychoanalyzing his behavior yeah I'm not a fan of politics, period. You're not a political guy. No, I'm not. I, I, I think that I grew out of it. When I was younger, I used to have sides. and But now I think that, I just think that it doesn't resolve the issue. Mm-hmm. Like, how many times did you vote in your life? <laughs> like if you're a six-year-old guy, you vote, how many times did you vote? Like, ten times? I don't know. I'm not good at math. But uh, So every it, four, every eight years or four years, every, every four years, years right? you vote, right? And what, what, what changes? Like, if you really want to change your life, I'm talking about your life. On a personal level. On a personal level. Yeah. Which is the point, right? When you live your life, first you You're have to change You're only in charge yours. of yourself. First, that's the first thing. And yeah. then when you become powerful enough or influential or whatever, then you can change the lives of others. But first, you have to focus on you. Don't look for a politician. Look for your mind. Be curious. You know, ask the universe what your gift is. Look for your own gift. What are you good at? You know what? What's what catches your your interest? Or but don't don't I mean don't think that just by voting for Biden or Trump or your life is not going to change. Look at all the people who supported Trump. If you go to their towns right now, if you go to Alabama or or DC or wherever they are, there do you think that Trump changed their lives? Trump changed the lives of the of the entrepreneurs. By changing the tax laws and things like that, right? And I'm not saying that they don't have impact. They have impact. Obviously, they have impact in society. They have impact in, in our lives. But I, I, I'm just saying that we have more impact on our lives than politicians do. Because nobody can control your, your thoughts. Only you can. Only you can change your your um, your thoughts, your state of mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unless you live in a you know dictatorship, dictatorship or whatever. Like obviously, if you live in, in you know Iraq under Saddam or in Libya under um, Gaddafi it's it's different obviously you don't have the same you know amount of freedom yeah I think in that those cases leadership can really affect your life 
for sure. more so. For sure. I think that's the way kind of America was set up where it was like the leader, even the president doesn't have that much autonomy on your life or authority over your life yeah. um, in that way. But you're right on a personal level, like, you know, it's at the end of the day, the you can't look at a politician to improve your standard of living. Because if you think about it, that politician is trying to improve their standard of living by becoming XYZ position trying to become the senator that ambition for them most of the time i'm not saying everybody comes from a personal place a place of um their own drive for their own self-improvement right you look at congressmen right i don't know if this is bullshit but i think that most of them are millionaires yeah definitely why well they don't get paid their salaries are only like like three hundred thousand a year okay i mean that's a lot but i think they get other things in like funding and like of course they do of course because what do they pass you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And what is the what's the compromise? What how does it work? Yeah. Behind the scenes, you know? Only they know. But what I'm saying is I don't like to focus on politics because in my opinion politics focuses on the surface of the issues. Yeah. So we don't go deep. Oh, we're going to create jobs. We're going to that's not what's going to change my life. What's going to change my life is you giving me freedom of thought, freedom of, you know, physically or a job isn't really freedom. No. Give me like real education. Teach me to become self-sufficient, independent. That's what people want. People want to be happy. Yeah. A job is not necessarily going to make you happy. Like $16 an hour, you know, $15, that's not going to change much. Do you think there's a way society can function without jobs with people just living living independently, freely without this idea of like having to I have to go to work, I have to work a certain number of hours? Will there always be people who have to do that? Or can we live in a completely independent society where no one has to live like that? Where everybody's just free to create? Just kind of a community of creators and artists and, and people who don't, you know, nobody has to work at a coal mine. Yeah, I think that at some point it was like that, right? If you go like 300 years back, I think that we were most farmers. Most yeah. people are farmers. So you would actually grow the food yourself. And, and and your family would depend on that, right? Or your, your neighbor or whatever. You're kind of going back to that, right? And we're actually... But, but we, I think that we, as humans, are going back to that. And look at the, sh- uh, the sharing economy. It's not perfect yet. Yeah. We're not there yet. But this is just the beginning. So Uber comes out and DoorDash or whatever. I'm talking about Uber specifically. Um, you know, they, they take 20%. And then some, some people could argue because I heard they have hidden fees and things like that. But yeah, the idea of the big corporation making less than the, the employee, that idea, in my opinion, is, is a good idea because you're sharing. It's like a win-win situation. Just like back in the day when I had you know rice and you had milk, we would exchange. Barter. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that I think we're heading there. Now, I don't know how long it's going to take. Is it going to take 50 years, 100 years? But look at how things change. I mean, if you compare our lives to to uh, our lives in the 90s, it's like super. If, if, if you could go in the 80s or in the 90s right now and you had a conversation with somebody in the metro in D.C. Yeah. And you told that guy or that lady, we will soon have a machine that will have almost any answer in the world. You think that person would believe you? Well, that was during the crack epidemic, so they would think you were probably on crack at that time. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. We, you know, if I need to go somewhere, I could just type the address, and it's going to take me right 
there and somebody like, picks me up in their car in their car you know and any conversation you have you can proof check like you can any com any answer you want you can google it well that stuff did exist in like fiction like um orwell george orwell or like ray bradbury and these yeah. like science fiction authors they would talk about like the age of surveillance and the age of information and like 007 yeah exactly so, you know the funny thing you know i had this conversation with a friend of mine we were talking about 007 yeah when we used to watch the james bond movies we'd be like oh my god look at the watch like he could actually like send a <laughs> message with his watch the smartwatch does much more. Go watch the movie. Apple Watch, yeah. Like, it's crap. Funny. Like, his te the technology <laughs> that they had is, is crap. Like, now, if you compare it to what we have now yeah. with the iWatch and the, is it called the iWatch? Uh, Apple Watch. Apple Watch, sorry. And there's a Samsung Watch as well. Samsung Watch. Or the iPhone does more, I think, than all all the technology that James Bond had access to combined. Yeah. I think that the, the iPhone is, the, the smartphone is more powerful than, just to show you how fast because when the Hollywood guys were, with the directors and the producers were making the movie, to them it was like, yo, we have to make something like out of, you know. Yeah, nobody could fathom yeah, this. Exactly. Like, so, very, like the pen on the camera, on the pen. Yeah, camera. Like we have the GoPros now exactly. and like whatnot. You know, you could have a, ca a camera anywhere. That's insane. So, so just to show you how it, it goes really fast in 20 years, 30 years. I, feel I like think that it's going to change. We're technology is moving faster than human creativity or human imagination. Cause what we've imagined at that time we thought was amazing. And it, it's only been what they came out in the sixties, right? The yeah. 007. Yeah. It's been say like 80 years. And now, and even like in the nineties, people thought we would have, you know, like they're like in 2000, things are going to get crazy. Mm -hmm. There's going to be holograms. And like, now we have things that are better than that stuff. Yeah. Better than, the camera we have 4k and you know people in, but we don't have flying cars still no everyone thought there'd be flying cars we don't have that i think it just doesn't make sense as far as the the environment is concerned because then it scares away the the birds and it's yeah. also dangerous because i don't trust people like flying imagine someone flying over your house like some kid is drunk steals his dad's flying car well think about this if we again i'm going to go in the past i love that you know that uh, yeah we got a time machine, machine right? man yeah time machine First of all, I think of the plane as a time machine. I don't know if I've ever told you that. So when you go to from from an underdeveloped country to a developed country, the difference sometimes is so big, you actually feel like you went on the in the future. Yeah, it's it's versa. trippy. Yeah, getting on a plane in New York and then getting off in like uh, South Sudan, South Sudan or something. Like, that's dude. for me. I need like you need to have a transit somewhere. Yeah. There has to be like a medium. You can't go directly because it's, it's psychologically it's like you yeah. got to go here the Cairo and then you go to South Sudan. Like there's got to be a transition. Yeah. That's too much of a, a, a time difference, a time change. Right? That happened to me actually a couple years ago. I, I left uh, Dhaka and I came to DC. And as soon as I get in the house, my brother had uh, Alexa. Yeah. And I heard him, you know, talk to me. He asked something. Alexa, Alexa, what's my? I don't know, like my notifications or whatever. And I was like, wow. Are you kidding me? You know, it's just, it's just, um, yeah, to come back to what we were talking about as far as, you know, society evolving, I think that as soon as the older, older generations um, go to the next level, change dimensions, then they leave space for, for the new, the new leaders and the new thoughts. And yeah. that's how things change. Right. So obviously the, the, the youth controls the, the train, right? Yeah. Of society because they're they're the ones that have new thoughts and fresh 
perspectives. And they have a longer time on this planet. Yes. So they're going to, they have more of a time investment yeah. here. So the changes that happen mean more to them than, you, you know, for old people, if you, even if you look at like the things they care about politically, for example, I went to school in Massachusetts and in our high school, we didn't have air conditioning. And the story behind, this is a brand new high school. This isn't an old, wow. they built it brand new. Was it really hot? It was really hot in the summertime, yeah. Okay. In the summertime, it got very... It's kind of like D.C., right? But you guys don't go to school in, some, in the summertime, um, right? Well, we do for like a couple months. For the couple months, it was really bad. And when we looked into why the school didn't have air conditioning, it was because there was a voting board in the town. And the people who go vote are all old people. And mm-hmm. they asked them, they're like, should we put an investment for air conditioning in the schools? And these people who are like 60 and up retire like, no, why are we spend money on that? It doesn't affect us. So no air conditioning went into the school. So even if you look at the mentality of the older generation, they're ready to go. For sure. You know, they've done their time. They're not worried about the younger generation in that way. So it's just interesting to see, like, where people's mindset is, you know. But look at weed. Yeah. So it's legal now, right? Why? Think about the, the, the people who pass laws. How old are they now? And how old were they when they were, uh, like, what era were we in when they were 20? It was a whole hippie movement. The hippie, yeah. The, so they didn't see weed the same way their parents saw weed. Yeah. Well, their parents were the politicians. Now you have, uh, what's the name of the vice president? Harris? Kamala Harris. Kamala yeah. Harris. She actually said, she said that she smoked weed. She Which said is it. ironic because she put a lot of people in jail. Exactly. In career yeah. for that, yeah. Yeah, because she, she kind of had to. Because I don't believe that these politicians actually pushed the buttons. They, they're just this is my opinion they're just puppets they're like figures we, in these positions. yeah when i yeah. hear people say you know george bush did this or clinton did that or i don't think it's george bush himself like alone you know i think that when you have these positions you have you have a say but you have like advisors that have a lifetime mandate you know, when you when you have certain positions, there is no like four years or two year term. So they're Either. lifetime advisors for that for, for <coughs> exactly. the presidential seat. Exactly. And and whoever the president is is only here for four or eight years max. You're listening to them. They're not listening to you. They have experience that you don't have. They have knowledge and information since the sixties. Yeah. You're not here to tell to teach them anything. You can have a conversation. You can argue. But I think that when it comes to the final decision, probably going to be all your advisors that are going to tell yeah. you what to do and how to do it. But um, yeah, so I was saying it's all related to who who passes the, the, the law. And that's why, in my opinion, that's why weed is legalized now. Because all these people are like, man, we used to... It's nothing. We, we did it all the time. time day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for years. For And also look at the voting population. People who became 18 and older right kind of like our generation we're growing and then once we get the right to vote politicians kind of cater to us like okay what do they want millennials you know what do they want they yeah, that's want true. Yeah. they want weed to be legal okay we can do that so you can see like the shift is just based on and that's kind of how like a quote-unquote democracy you know when there's a voting incentive works yeah you know when you're trying to get votes you kind of have to you have to wear the hat you have to wear many hats yeah as they say yeah that's why, again, to come back to what we were saying, I think that the the best change that can happen is in your mind. Yeah. And I think that people should focus. And I think that you know, we should uh, we should teach kids that we should inform them, just inform them that they have a very, very powerful piece of technology in their head. 
just put that seed and then they're going to be curious by themselves and question things you know but um we don't do that we we just we just uh teach them about math and history and very biased history by the way of course yeah and it's in, like when i look at the, the the school program in in senegal right yeah. or in the neighboring countries so my god like they're stuck what in, are some things that shocked you just the fact that kids nowadays are using the same books that i was using wow pre iphone pre whatsapp you know they're using the same book like with the same images they say like <laughs> dude you know how many things changed since why don't we have books that adapt to or to no books just technology right? exactly exactly just a, just a, we should have ipads now yeah you know they'll say we don't have the funding the funding and all those like things but come on you could be creative i just think that we don't use any creativity yeah in most school programs now it's it's changing with the montessori you know yeah. programs and the, the the private schools you go to expensive schools they have very good programs right? yeah if you you got to pay to play that's, exactly and that's it again it looks like the the mentality of poverty if you're stuck in the proverb poverty program you're not going to have access to private schools and stuff. So, so then that's how kind of the wealth gets kind of, kind of yeah. preserved and you, it's kind of like an endless cycle. So you said you have a daughter. I have two daughters, two daughters. What are ways that you are trying to like counter this culture you see of like uh, regressive education? I don't think I have the perfect answer because I'm, I'm still on the job. Yeah. I'm still working on that. But I think that I just, first of all, I talk to her a lot. I talk to her a lot about uh, we have like real conversations sometimes i forget that she's she's seven wow you know we have real conversations and i just show her that there are much less limits that people think you know as far as uh i i, I talk a lot about business about financial freedom to her level obviously yeah i'm not gonna you know but for example ever since she was a kid i was like look at look at all these stores around you like we were in in dakar and I was like, look at this store. They're selling motorcycles. And look at this store, right? They're selling food. See, they're selling everything. You can sell anything. And that's how you start your business. And that's how you can make money. Or even when I get clients, I tell her about that. I'm like, oh, I have a new client today. And oh, daddy, what do you, why did he hire you? Because I'm going to, oh, we're going to walk his dog, you know, yeah. five times a week. And we're going to do, I tell her about service and products. Because my dad never had the conversation with me. Not, not his fault. It's the programming. It's the programming. He you felt know? like he was, you're too young. Kids don't, you Well, know. he's not, he's not even a business guy. Yeah. Period. Right. So he's not, he's, he was, he was a very hard worker. Uh, he worked for the African air, airlines mm -hmm. and even for some other airlines when he was younger. But anyways, yeah, he was, he was, a, he was an engineer. Yeah. And so, yeah, he, he had, he basically had a nine to five. So obviously he's not thinking as a, as a business guy. He tried a couple of businesses, but he, he didn't go, it didn't go really far. Right. So. And that's the thing. I, I, I talked to her about that. Like, you fail, you try again. Don't be discouraged because, you know, you didn't get to do that. All right, you cried and you, you know, you wipe your shirt off and you, you keep going. And we have conversations. I have conversations that I wish I had with, with, uh, with mentors when I, was, when I was younger with her. I just want to open her mind. I just don't, don't want her to be in a box. Yeah. You know. And we, we, we talk about... We talk about meditation. Okay. Do you meditate? I do. Not as much as I'd like to, but mm -hmm. um, we talk about affirmations. Mm -hmm. Like, so she, she, there, there are a lot of, 
this is for all the parents out there. There are a lot of meditations for kids on YouTube. Wow. And it's a great way to fall asleep. So like you lie in your bed. You lie in your bed and then they tell you stories about you being in the middle of the forest. There's this oh, weird like visualization. Fox. Exactly. And it makes you man, I most of the time it makes you sleep really quickly. <laughs> yeah. Right? And um and you have the the versions, the the, the adult versions. Okay, so right. how are they different from the kid versions? Like, well, it's just... Uh, the animal's different or something? It's like you're watching an adult movie. Yeah. And, th- like, the vocabulary is not going to be the same. So they're yeah. going to use words that are much easier to understand for Might be kids. more relatable to, yeah. Yeah, things that they relate to. Like, a seven-year-old would, would relate to, a you know, a story about um, animals and... Yeah. Um, have, you, um, have you tried, like, kundalini yoga or different types of, like... Different. There's different types of meditation that involve kind of like breath or breath work, and there's also like the basic meditation where you're just kind of closing your eyes and breathing. But there's a lot of like the world of meditation is so deep. Have you have you explored the depths of? Uh, no, I, I I've explored yoga, just regular yoga. Yeah, you know, with the mantras and the different poses and things. But as far as like the breathing aspect and not in depth, no. Yeah, tell me about it. So I would really recommend it because. Um, you were talking about kind of like your energy and the vibrations and the um, the frequency that you're on. So when I do Kundalini, I don't do it every day, but I did this course <coughs> and you kind of use the sciences. Your breath is connected to the energy, your life energy, or call it your life force energy, your chi in, in, yeah. in Eastern or your, uh, your Shakti also in like the Vedic tradition. Mm. And it's a way of harnessing it and increasing it. So I've realized, like, I've noticed when I've done it, I do feel different. And I feel like this weird tingling sensation of this energy traveling up and down my body. Mm. So that experience is just kind of makes you go, hmm, what is that? Because science can't really explain what is, yeah. you know, what that is. So that's why I do it. So is it with breathing and just just, just being still? Yeah. So or? like you'll do different poses. Like, for example, like you put your hands up um, and you kind of put a fist and put your thumbs out and you'll do like... <laughs> like a breath it's called breath of fire mm. and you'll you'll breathe up in, like a lot and you'll do it for like maybe a minute and then you'll just relax and then when you're relaxing you feel like it's like it's weird like chi moving up and down your body up and down your body up and, down. and then after you feel so good and you feel more energetic it's a very it's very subtle but it's very i would recommend you try it definitely it's just uh i'll take more information yeah yeah i definitely recommend, I recommend everybody everybody try it and, and just kind of see because you know it's there's definitely subtler things to our existence you know i think we both like experimenting with that if it's, yeah. if it's like programming if it's like energy levels um just to give yourself a better life experience for sure can you can you say the the, the kind of yoga it is again? so kundalini yoga kundalini 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 means snake okay um, in what language and i think it's sanskrit okay so like it's like ancient south asian uh language but um it's not a yoga where if you're thinking of like the poses it's not that kind of yoga. So if you're not like very flexible, flexible yeah. you don't have to Which worry not, about that. I'm not really flexible. By yeah. Way, so. <laughs> so, yeah. Most people aren't, especially with our lifestyles. Yeah. Yeah. Naturally, people just aren't. But uh, with Kundalini Yoga, you don't need to like, it's just breath. Oh, it's just, it's, and, it's and, and, and you said you have breathing problems, right? You, well, not breathing problems. I've had asthma when I was younger. Yeah. And so it helps a, with that. I have allergies. A lot of that. allergies. So yeah. But um, pollen allergies and stuff like that. Uh, dust. Dust uh, Most people uh, have that one. Cats. Oh, so how does that work with? Well, you only your dogs then with pet yeah. sitting. Yeah. So I can I can tolerate it, but I'll just sneeze a lot. Yeah. You know? And no offense to cat 
lovers, but I don't like cats anyway, so it's not like a big. Uh, you can't because they can't get pro. You can't deprogram them. They're well, too, not that's in, why, right? <laughs> they're too stubborn. No, it's just, they just, I just don't like the attitude. I, I don't like the attitude. You can pet a cat for like fifteen minutes and then, wow, yeah, you know, yeah, you're right. And they just, they just scratch you. And I used to. Do- I just feel like the dog is realer. Like it's just more honest with if he doesn't like you he'll just show you yeah you know do you find it strange when dogs don't like people for some reason like for 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 no reason at all like for some people they just won't like them no because it happens to me oh so you're like that too yeah sometimes you meet people and just not it's not that you don't like them yeah but it's just the vibe that doesn't really you mean when when they see somebody and they start barking do you think it's like a a a vibe or an energy that they're sensing for sure i think that dogs see things that we don't see just like a kid uh, so I relate, I, I like to compare my toddler to, to dogs a lot, to puppies. Yeah. Because they behave the same with their reward, you know, the rewards and the, uh, the corrections. I compare that a lot because it works the same, you know, and, and the way you distract them. For example, when, my, when, my, when they're young, if they have a tantrum, the way I, my solution to that is to totally um, change the direction. So let's say they're crying because you're not letting them wear their their you know their gene or whatever yeah. their genes all right so you you, you pick the, the baby up and then you're like oh my god look at this bird and most <laughs> of the time it works he's distracted she's though. like oh what are you talking about and then she looks at the bird and you know or you just talk you just change the subject and with the dog it's the exact same thing okay right how do you change the subject with a dog so basically let's say he wants to lunge at another puppy well if you have a little piece of um, like a biscuit or whatever, you can catch his attention with that, right? Because he's like, oh, oh, you have something for me. He turns around and then you give him a reward or you pet him or, I mean, there's, it, it depends on the dogs. Some some dogs won't even, if, they're, if they want to do something, they'll, you know, they'll do everything they can to pull you and to go uh, towards that direction. But then you can correct him. Yeah. And then he's like, oh God, oh, he didn't like that. He turns around, he looks at you. And then you, you know, you there's a way that you show him that you're the boss. You have yeah. to show them that you're the boss. Just like you show your kid that the kid is not the boss in the house, right? At least that's my belief. That's interesting. Interesting because it reminds me of psychologists. Early psychologists used to use puppies and animals to like understand human psychology. Mm-hmm. So if you know uh, Pavlov's dog, it's yeah. like, a, you know. Yeah, with a clicker. Yeah, the clicker yeah. or the when the when with the acid, like he would use this, I think it's hydrochloric acid or something. Or, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. yeah, to get the dog to salivate when they would hear the sound of the bell or something like mm-hmm. that. So it's interesting how connected dog, some animals are to the human. Yeah, human. I think it's very connected. I think it's, and that's why they, they feel our energy. Yeah. You know, that's why the, you know, when you see a dog for, if, if I meet you for the first time, I'm not going to come and just automatically kiss you and hug you or whatever. So, dude, distance. Like, I don't know you like that. Yeah. Put your mask on, right? bro. So yeah. the dog is the same thing. You meet a dog the first day, give him his space. Don't just go and pet him. And some dogs will, won't mind. Have some self-respect, bro. If he bites you, don't be surprised. Because, yeah. you know, you, you don't know me. Come come at me like that boy. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I, I, I just relate a lot of things. I just like to observe, you know, dogs and then come back to the human world. I think we have a lot in common. Much more than we think. If you could be a dog breed, which one would it be? If I could be a dog breed. Rottweiler. Or a South African Borbo. What's what is that? It's a mastiff from South Africa, so it looks a lot like the English mastiff. Was it brought over from Europe? Uh, with the it, was, it, it has the English mastiff in it, 
Oh. And it's also mixed with a um, another South African breed. The Rhodesian Ridgeback? Exactly. Okay. So it's the I know that those two breeds are part of the South African Borbo just because nobody messes with you. Because they're very, even if they're the nicest dog in the world, nobody you know approaches them. They're very scary looking, and they're really, really fun dogs too. Really Are there smart. a lot of them in Senegal? Yeah, guard dogs. Okay, yeah. and a lot of people breed them now. So okay, was that the dog that you helped transport? You were telling me a story where you said you transported do- a dog from Senegal to Mauritania. Yeah. So no, that was that was not that breed. It okay. was a different breed. Yeah. It was it was a mutt actually. That dog was a mutt. It was a mutt. Yeah. Yeah. I transported a lot of dogs, but I know I know the story because I told you about that one. Yeah. That was a mutt, yeah. Interesting, interesting. So basically, what Senegal, I'll explain to the listeners, you can't transport dogs to Mauritania. There's like a weird loot law, right? So it's not about the actual country. Right now, In the around the world, we have a lot of new rules due to COVID. So you have a lot of countries that will not even... Allow animals, right? Yeah, but. even like European countries and... Like in France, I think they couldn't land there for a long time during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So it's very complicated to move dogs around. So I also work on the logistics uh, aspect of things. And I help clients, um, you know, um, travel with their dogs, basically. Yeah. Or without their you dogs. You reunite. Exactly. Relocation. Pet relocation. Pet relocation. That's how it's called. Yeah. Pet UGs instead of refugees. Exactly. They're, they're pet UGs, yeah. Actually treated much better than the refugees. Yeah, you told funny. You told me you're like the pet of an expat in Africa has more power than an African in Africa. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. On some level, yeah. I believe that. I think that the pets even here in America have yeah. much more power than a lot of people. Like one thing when I was pet sitting in the US in DC actually when you know you go to a lot of homes and you know that these people are wealthy obviously. Well, yeah. First of all, people who have most of the time people who who request these services are, you know, are, are good financially. Yeah. And I got into this house and this was just um it was a pretty cool experience for me, pretty interesting. I got into the house, and you know those houses where they have codes. So it's not even a, a regular lock. Like you have to put you the know code, the, like, yeah, you know, 1986 or whatever, mm-hmm. and then enter. And so, first of all, that was kind of like wow, like that's on some next level. Because at the back, that was like 2015. I had never seen that. Yeah, you know, that kind of I mean, lock. if I saw that in 2015, I'd be shocked too. Yeah, even so, in the U.S. Exactly, and it was in the U.S. It was here. I was here. Okay. And I opened the door, and there was this old rusty dog. He was wearing a diaper because he had wow. this condition where he couldn't hold himself and my thing was i just had to give him water and his medication and and, and go right every day for like a week because the owner was traveling and when i got out of the house i saw a homeless guy like a couple blocks away and it, it was it was in the summer right it was during the summer it was really hot so this dog is in this house with the ac on He's alone. The AC has been on for days. Yeah. I, I go there every day, right? I feed him and I give him water, whatever, medication. And this human being, two blocks away, he's outdoors. He probably has to go to public restrooms to, you know, to go to the to, to, to go to the bathroom. And I was just thinking, I was like, wow, we're we're really in a world where, you know, things are and, and you can't really judge because if I you know, I take care of my dogs. Yeah. You right? have dogs yourself, personal. Yeah. Oh, dogs, yeah. You know, yeah. And yeah, so it's it's just funny how how it's it's not. Do you think it's like a mistrust of humans? It's like because humans have, I think, a greater ability for destruction, right? Yeah. So for sure. when you see a homeless guy, or when maybe the owner of that dog sees a homeless guy on the block, the same one you saw, maybe what's going through their mind is 
no, if I let them in, they're going to steal. Yeah. They're going to do this. But the dog is just going to be a dog. The dog can't, doesn't understand money, doesn't understand um, stealing, doesn't, can't kill you, really. Of course. You of know? course. It's, I think it's related. I think that humans are much more, obviously, much more complex creatures than dogs. Yeah. So it's much easier to deal with it. That's why a lot of people will have dogs instead of kids. Yeah. First of all, it's like, what, 10, 15 years tops? Well, 10, 15 years with a human, it's just the beginning. Actually, because you have to pay for college soon, right? Yeah, and it's now yeah. with the way things are, it's like 30 years sometimes, the kid's living at exactly. home. Exactly. So, you know, shout out to all the 30-year-olds living at home. Yeah, yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's natural. <laughs> We're in a recession. In, it's in Africa, it's been like that for a minute. Yeah, even more, if not 34. Unless you, I think it's still you get married, right? Yeah, That's the kind depending of the on the family. Like, you know, yeah. it, it, it's all relative. Is that is that what you did? No. I actually dipped when I was 19. Oh, independent. Oh, when I came to the U.S. Okay. So I wouldn't say I was independent because I was still getting help from family, you know, but as far as just me living without my parents, yeah, at 19 years old. My mom passed away at 19. Yeah, and my dad, thank you, and my dad was uh, was in Senegal. So when yeah. we came to the U.S., that's that's when we started uh, to, to, to live on our own. Um, Even though, like I said, we, we, we had a lot of help from, from family. Of course, of thank course. Thank God. Well, that's the beauty of coming from an African family, right? There's always somebody who's will go out of their way. Yeah. And then you got to be that person, right? When you when you're in a position to help other people, that's kind of like the the code, right? Of in an African family, it's like when you need help, we help you. But then when you're in a position to help other people, you do the same. Well, African and Middle Eastern. For African me, and Middle Eastern, yeah. And there's a lot of simil- similarities uh, as far as the the, the family, um, like how family is important. Yeah. Both cultures. It's very important. So your mom is was a Syrian, right? A Syrian. Yes, correct. Yeah. And um, your dad is from Senegal. Correct. How did they meet? If you don't mind they, me asking. No, no, I don't mind. They met. They had a really cool story. We could actually make a movie. Oh no way! Uh, they met in New York. Okay. They met in New York City. Um, my dad actually was going to California to see his friend, like a childhood friend of his, and there was some issue with the plane. I don't remember exactly what happened, but he had to stay overnight. Mm-hmm. And one of his friends was like, yo, I'm going to, to my friend's house. Can you, you want to come? She, she, she has this party. And my mom was the younger sister of that friend. Oh. And they met, they met that, that day. So that's, and they just kind of bonded. And, exactly. And that's really cool. And then that's the reason why I'm here. Wow. You know? So I guess he went back to Senegal and they kept in touch with letters at that time. Yes, right? with letters. And actually my dad didn't speak uh, English really well. So she would write uh, letters in English and she would send them, send them in the post, post office and he would have it translated by a friend of his. In Senegal. So maybe he was, he, maybe he was even lying. Like imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yes. Yeah, so, and then he would, he would basically send letters in French and then she would have the letters translated and they would, they would communicate. That's really them. cute, man. But yeah, I know. I know. And then, yeah, and then I guess she, she came to, uh, to Africa to meet him. The, she, my mom was really adventurous. Like, she's a little bit, I, I, I think I got that from her. Yeah. Not scared of the unknown. Because imagine, you know, in the 80s. Going to Africa going at, to that Africa time, at that right? time, right? Especially yeah. with the, the idea of African people's yeah. minds. Like, you know, like, it's like, am I gonna live in a hut? Like, what's gonna happen? I know. Like, that's the the stereotype. How's the airplane gonna land? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you think about all these things, but 
um that's really cool so yeah man new york yeah they met in new york and was this in like the 70s yeah late 70s early 90s i would say okay yeah it's late so early 80s early 80s sorry yeah so and you've been to syria right you've been to several syria. times several times yeah when i was younger so my dad used to work for this uh for the for the airline so we didn't pay for tickets that's we only, dope. we only paid for taxes so we would travel a lot yeah. My, every every year, my mom would go see her family, and she wanted us to be, you know, close to our family and to 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 know our culture, our Syrian side. Yeah. So we went there, yeah, several times. The last time I went was in I think two thousand or something. That's still, that was like twenty twenty one years ago. It's a long time ago. But I I have vivid memories. Yeah. Yeah. I like I know I, I had a lot of fun. Very good experiences there. That's good. Very good memories with my cousins. And we were like the black cousins. So we were, you know, <laughs> everybody wanted to. We heard about you guys. Yeah. yeah it's kind of fascinating to them. Might have been the first black people they ever saw. Probably, yeah. Especially and my in dad is much darker than me, obviously. Yeah. So they would, I remember the kids would go, would always be around him. Because like you said, it was probably the first time they, they they saw. Especially when we went in the in the village, like in the um, you know, in, in the suburbs and yeah, like far from the city to see our cousins. And now, unfortunately, the situation is pretty bad. Yeah, the, with the political and the, the devastation yeah. that happened. Yeah. Can you, do you know how to depka and do like the traditional what? Syrian dances and stuff like that? No, not yeah. at all. No, <laughs> no. I've yeah. seen it. Obviously, I see my, my mom would love to dance and to sing and, you know, but no, nah, I don't. Yeah. That's that's dope. I, you know, I'd love to visit Syria one day. When was the last time you you went back home? You went to uh, 2015. I went for a wedding. Okay. And it was fun. It was uh, it was things things like whenever I go back to Sudan, things are always changing really quick. And yeah. it's probably like that in Senegal too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, like things are they change so rapidly. So like now I've heard like there's been even like a cultural shift in Sudan where it's like um, it's become a lot more like uh, liberal and like. Uh, very relaxed in terms of just like social and and uh um things of that nature that that's what i've been told but i'm assuming so you guys have clubs i'm sorry if it's ignorant but you guys oh no no, no that's a good that's a good question like that, no. but, or bars or no there's no bars there's no alcohol but there's there's like underground clubs but they're not official right so you have it's like somebody would like rent like a big apartment and like clear it out and make it like a, like look like a club and they would invite people on the low so it was very like on you have to know somebody to get in and then the party would be crazy it'd be like wild and then but the, how about the music like don't they hear the music well they don't i guess i guess yeah at some point the cops will come and clear it up and be like hey you guys gotta you guys gotta cut okay. it out but um for the most part nobody snitches like it's, okay. you know unless like, somebody actually from the government or from like the, co the police yeah. station like here's unless it. they want to mess with you yeah unless they're trying to and a lot of times you can bribe them but this is again this is 2015 okay. i think things are a lot more relaxed now because there was like a regime a regime change the government hmm. changed now it's uh i think it's a little more like liberal it's a little more um you know uh pro-social mixing and parties okay. and stuff like that how about senegal do you get is alcohol legal in senegal oh yeah super legal it's yeah. legal legal yeah okay i mean it's a muslim it's, it's not even a muslim country it's a secular country yeah, right? yeah so we have christians we have majority muslim obviously yeah but um i believe that the majority of people who drink are muslim <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <laughs> <coughs> this is my my opinion I like right. I like Senegal because you guys have a very cool understanding of religion, right? It's not, it's not a hard line. 
there's still a strong spiritual tradition, but it's also like not inhibiting, right? It doesn't get in the way of uh, your life. So I think that partially what you said is true. Yeah. I think that we have a good way of getting along with each other. So it's not because we've never, you know, knock on wood, we've never had wars because of religion, religion and stuff like that. Yeah. like that. But I think that um, sometimes it gets complicated because uh, there's also a hypocrite side, in my opinion. Yeah. So we'll, we won't do this because of religion, but behind closed doors. So know. like talking about drinking? I'm talking about drinking. I'm talking about women. Womenizing you know. and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, like they'll act like they're, you know, the most religious people sometimes you know yeah and everybody knows what what goes on you know we, we live in the same city we know what's up <laughs> news travels fast so yeah so that's just that that side that i dislike yeah which is uh you know just just stop judging people just live your life as long as they're not doing anything le- illegal you know let people live their lives but you'll you know you'll knock somebody for you know for whatever reason and then you do the same thing but you just don't do it publicly you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, that is a, that is very very true. Um, I, I think I told you my brother in law is from Senegal. I didn't know that. No. Yeah, yeah. Very, so. I mean, it's a very cool country. You know, a lot of positive positive sides. You know, there is this feeling of freedom that I have when I'm there that I cannot really explain. It's it's not a political freedom, right? It's no, like a, no, not at all. Is it a racial freedom? I don't know. Maybe it's because when you're in the U.S., when you live here for some time as a black man and you get pulled over every now and then, because we all do, we all have some dirt, right? Yeah. And <laughs> even you, if you don't have dirt, even if you don't have dirt, you'll get, right? pulled, over, you'll yeah. get pulled over. And then just the paranoia sometimes you're like, oh, what's going to happen? Even though I believe that it's, you know, if you respect the cops and you, you know, you behave a certain way and you make them feel comfortable most of the time you're good most of the time most of the time there's definitely those those yeah, exceptions obviously. that we see on tv yeah stuff. we've seen cases where you did everything right but still you, you know, get shot you get, or you get shot you get yeah. killed or you get but yeah maybe it's that aspect maybe it's on the legal because you can bribe any cop mm. over there not any cop you know hopefully they won't be listening to this but <laughs> not any cop but most of the cops you can bribe it's unfortunate yeah but, you know if you get pulled over and you don't have your insurance or whatever you know, just give a couple of bucks and they let you go. Yeah. You feel like the system is kind of rigged against you here. Like, it's like, have fun as long as you're within the the legal limits. But as soon as you cross over and do something that's considered legal, it's a long, yeah. arduous process. Yeah. And then the thing is, you have, you also have positive sides here. Like, yeah. as far as the... With the scooters. With the <laughs> yeah, the scooters. But yeah. just the fact that you have some freedoms that okay this is how i can say it's complicated but you have some freedoms that you have here that you don't have there like you can talk about politicians yeah however you want in senegal no here okay you can say whatever you want almost right yeah you could you could talk about i can talk about biden all day i have a podcast about biden and say whatever i want every day if you have if you have a podcast about the president there how can i say it yeah, you can't you can't really say whatever you want. So, to say. isn't there freedom of speech in Senegal? And from what I've been told on paper, on paper, yeah, on paper. But if you if you go too far, you'll get checked. Wow, they'll check you. They'll show you. They'll put you in your place. Wow, quick, you know. And you could choose to be on whatever side you want to be. Yeah, or you could be neutral and just shut up. Again, if you think that politics is going to change things, and if you think that that's your that's your purpose, you know, I respect that. 
Yeah. But yeah, it comes with consequences. You know, it comes with uh, a lot of compromise. Yeah. For you, for your family, even here, really, if you really think about it, even here, because you there can are limits. Say, this is the thing. In the U.S., you can say whatever you want to a certain extent. Because think about it. So as long as you stay on the surface and you don't really influence the masses, you're good. But when you start having too much influence and when your voice starts to be too powerful, you also get checked. Because think about it. When did, um, and I don't want to go all political, but when did Martin Luther King get killed? It wasn't when he was negotiating with, you know, it wasn't when he was talking about um, non-resistance, you know, non-violence, integration. And yeah. It was when he started talking about economic empowerment, if I'm not mistaken, because that now you change the program. And now you're including more than just black people in yes. the conversation. You're talking about everybody. Yeah. These are, when you talk about universal laws, when you talk about universal laws, you show the world that we're all human, that all, all this race thing is bullshit. And the truth comes to the surface and i think you get checked when you do that the it, way it's enforced here is a little different yeah just like they say oh you know talk to some friends they're like oh well well there's briberies in the u.s too of course there are of course of course you can bribe people yeah but it's on the very high level you can't bribe a, you, if you get pulled over and you're 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 drinking and driving you're in trouble man yeah you, there's no way you can give a hundred bucks to the cop and, and he'll let but the you way go. it's gonna work is if you're let's say you're a kid from Bethesda and your dad is very important. Yeah, yeah. It's going to happen behind the scenes. So he's going to call the cops, the cops boss or the cops boss's boss's boss and say, Hey, this person, you know, my brother, my son was pulled over and you know, yeah. you know me. And then he'll talk to the, go down the line and they'll get it cleared. And but, like I said, that's that you have to be very influential. And yeah, yeah, you have to be high up there. Right. But like, as far as your status, your position, but in the, in, in, in most underdeveloped countries, you get pulled over. If you have money to change that guy's menu for that dinner, <laughs> you're free. You're free to go. And sometimes they even say, they're like, dude, you, know, you got something for me, man. I haven't had dinner yet. They'll ask it. Yeah, wow. will be up front. Like sometimes, let's say that you get pulled over and, and you show all your, all, everything is legit, right? You have your insurance, you have your registration, driver license, and the car is perfect. And he'll be like, dude, can you just, you know. You yeah. Just give me a little something. So when you bribe, like, would you? Let's say I'm bribing and I give a certain amount of money. Do they ever say, "Oh, you got to do better than that"? Of yeah. course. I want some steak. Of course, yeah. Sometimes you give. You, you <laughs> I feel bad that I'm talking about this. Like I'm talking about my my people, but that's the truth. Anybody who lives in Senegal knows. I mean, like, it's not you, even a Senegalese. It's yeah, all over the developing yeah, exactly. world, not just Africa. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. Just come on, man. You have to do better. I'm not touching that. And sometimes they just bullshit because like, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, that's the same amount that he gets because I don't have any anymore. You, and it's a whole art, right? Where you, you have to know how to, because they have a lot of ego. Yeah. They have a lot of ego. So you can't really show them that you're bribing, even though you are. You're and considering is, it like a gift. Exactly. So okay. me, the way I do it is I say, can I pay the... How do you call it? I hate when you get a ticket, like when you get a, 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 a citation. Yeah. Like I'll say it. Like, can I pay it right now? Yeah, can I pay the citation right now? Even though I know that I'm never getting a receipt. It's yeah. not a citation. Yeah. This is going in your pocket. But this is, so you just change the language just to, just to let them have their dignity. Yeah. You know, even though we all know you're being bribed. Yeah. So I'll, 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 I'll be very respectful with the way I, I speak to them. Language is important. That very, very. Reminds me of. So there's something you can do if you go to Chipotle or any restaurant, right? You know how they charge you for extra For stuff? extra, like, uh, guacamole? Yeah, or, like, yeah. extra, like, um, chicken, right? Tell me, please. There's a loophole. 
and it's all in the language. So you go there and you never say extra. You say, can you just a little more? Can you just, if you use the word extra, boom, they're going to charge you. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. So you got to, if you phrase it right, can I have a, like a scoop, a little, a half a scoop, a little more? And you always ask after they scoop the first one. And okay. then you say, because then they, because then they'll add more. It's, yeah. it's all say, oh, wow. student life, man. So that's a rule? It's not a rule. It's something I've observed from like eating okay. out a lot. Let's, because you're understanding the server psychology. Yeah. And because when they hear, they're trained, it's kind of like, you know, kind of like training, you know, obedience training. Yeah. Their managers say, if they say they want extra chicken, you charge them one ninety nine. Yeah. But then I didn't say extra, so they're confused. But I said a little more. So I guess that doesn't really count as charging me. Yeah. Right? So, you, you know, it's, it's stuff like wow, that. Wow. I, I never never heard that. Yeah. It, it, it reminds me of a different, uh, different subject. When you call out uh, at your workplace, one day I was working um, at my old job. I'm not going to promote them. My supervisor, I became friends with her. Like, you know, we were friends. She was really cool. And one day we were just having a conversation and she told me, do you know that? So you basically don't have the right to ask the employee why he called out. Oh, I didn't so, know that. So if you, I, I believe it's true, right? I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. But I think you don't have, because of, because of uh, like HIPAA violations sometimes, right? Yeah. So, you know, what if I have cancer? You know, what if I have, what if my wife is pregnant and I don't want people to know? Yeah. Like, do I have to say like my wife is pregnant? I'm going to the hospital? No, um, I won't be able to be, to to come to work today. Now, obviously, if you have to miss work for several days, I'm sure you have to meet with your boss and tell him. And even then, I don't think you you're forced to like legally. So ever since she told me that, I I was kind of trying it. So I would call because every time prior to that day, I would call and be like, "Oh, my stomach is hurting," or "I have a headache." <laughs> you have to think or, of something. Yeah, you have, always have to think of something. Or my car broke down, whatever. And I started not saying anything. I'd be like, hello? Hey, John, how you doing? Hey, uh, I won't be able to come today. Oh, really? What's going on? Yeah, I won't be able to come. Yeah, you could say like things like, I'm not feeling good. or Yeah. But you, you, he cannot question you. Would he, would, did he ever try to no, ask? No, they, they wouldn't. So maybe it was within that corporation specifically, Yeah. the rules. Maybe it's not generally... Like maybe if you work for McDonald's, the boss is going to ask you, you know, why you're not coming. I don't know. Yeah. And I actually believe it makes sense that you don't have to go in my personal life. Yeah. And know what's going on with my health or with, you know, whatever. You pay me to be there for those hours. Yeah. And if I can't, I can't. Yeah. You know, and you can't, can't go too deep. In, with your well, you're, this is eye opening because when I worked at Burlington Coat Factory uh, in retail, my boss would definitely ask. And then once I said I was sick, it's like, how sick are you? Wow. I had a flu and I, I know I was young. I was like maybe like 19. Yeah. So I didn't really understand like HIPAA laws and like what my rights were. So I was just like, I guess he has the right to know. And they take advantage of that. Take advantage they know of that. that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're young, you're naive. Yeah. That's probably what he asked. Yeah. Cause he was like, Oh, Ferris will tell me. Yeah. How sick are you? Yeah. Are you sure you can't come? We're really short staffed. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you've heard that before. I used to hate that. I'm like, well, didn't and then the manager and you get there and the manager's not doing anything. I'm like, I thought you were short staff. He's just sitting in his office. I'm like, you, why don't you get up there, man? That's how you started, right? Just, <laughs> you can you can do that too. I know. It's like it's crazy. It's out of control. Yeah. But we've been talking for a minute, man. For sure. And this has been an amazing, amazing podcast. Great, great podcast, and man. I've enjoyed the conversation, the flow. You have so much to offer, and I really want you to start your own podcast or start like a the YouTube channel because we were talking about how spaces of personal development are kind of not relatable to a lot of people in the world, right? So it's yeah. a very um, 
the very white spaces. Yeah. Right. So, and a lot of times the wisdom that they're giving people comes from traditional African knowledge, traditional Eastern knowledge. Yes. So I would love to see someone like you with the experience you have, the knowledge you have, the curiosity you have, like doing something on that level on a very high level. Thank you, man. Thank you. Actually, um, after our first conversations, you motivated me a lot as far as, you know, thinking of starting my own podcast you know hopefully i'll i'll be able to manifest that yeah thanks for the thanks for the motivation man no problem and thanks for for inviting me yeah anytime i'm definitely gonna have you back on again appreciate it as as you're here in the dmv um thank you so much everybody uh you want to shout out your instagram or anything you want to promote yeah my instagram is my first name so sobi so that's it i'll I'll attach it i'll I'll link it s-o-b-h-i-s-o-w there's not I don't have a very very active I'll put account, the link in the bio yeah yes sir yes I thanks everybody have a good day yeah thank you oh.